Welcome to The Living Lab, a weekly podcast exploring new and old thinking on living a better, more purposeful life. I'm Ben Lankin, podcasting again from my hotel room in the beautiful Nordic city of Copenhagen. And with me, as always, my good friend Mel Pryor, this time from somewhere in the beautiful city of Denver, Colorado. Mel, hello. Hello, Ben. Yes, I'm in downtown Colorado today, working out of a shared co-working space of environmental not-for-profits. So it's a very what an interesting space to be, and I've commandeered one of their um, somewhat soundproof um, conference rooms, which wasn't quite as soundproof as we would have hoped. Somewhat so, soundproof. Yes, it's a new measurement. Get amongst it. <laughs> and right. How has your week been, Ben? Yeah, not too bad. I think uh, winter is definitely here now. The clocks have turned back. I'm sure, I don't know, the clocks turned back for you as well, but we went back an hour last weekend and um, it's now, um, you know, dark when you get up and dark when you go to bed and, and it's about, uh, sorry, dark when you go home from work, I should say, and it's about um, seven or eight degrees um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's winter is coming. But, uh, you know, that's to be expected in this part of the world. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's an, that's an interesting point to bring up don't see the sun before and after each day, you've got to make a conscious effort to get some sunshine in um, or get on those vitamin D tablets. They're magic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, now being 12 months in Europe, I, and everyone asks me, oh, how are you coping with the weather and the winters? And I have no problem with the temperatures. Mm-hmm. The only issue is that sunlight thing, you know, that after a while gets a bit depressing when you, um, you know, you don't see the sunlight for a long time. So you do have to force yourself to get out in the few hours where there is some sunshine to enjoy it. Yeah, hit those moments. Um, So your experiment for last week, as our first point of order, let us hold to account. What was your experiment from last week, Ben? Oh, I knew you were going to do this. Uh, My experiment was to um, try and, um, you know, work on my daily mindfulness practice, which, to be honest with you, hasn't gone as well as I would have hoped. I've had a bloody full-on week uh, at, um, at work and um, no excuses, I guess. But I tried a couple of times. I, I did some mornings. I did a couple of evenings. I tried for the first time a lying down meditation. This did not work. It did not work uh, for you? No. What, was, just, what did it feel like? And how did well, it feel different to when you were sitting? Well, I, I felt that when you're sitting and you know you're sitting up you have i think you have a little bit more focus when you're lying down i mean i think a it was late at night and i was probably half starting to fall asleep and drifting off and b i think there's a hesitation to be a lot less um sounds weird but a lot less um fidgety when you're sitting but when you're lying down you kind of move around i don't know i just i just found it more distracting than i than i thought it was going to be Interesting. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if the time of the day in which you did that played a role in that. There. I think that makes a difference. Yeah. I think when I, when I do it in the, when I wake up in the morning, I always seem to be in a rush to get the day started. I'm like, Oh God, do I have to do this? Come on, let's go. Let's go get through the seven minutes or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I find, I think that in the evening, if I do it like, you know, just after I get home from work or, you know, after dinner, before bed, etc., that seems to be where I can, where I can kind of be a bit more at peace and less distracted um so i think the evenings is where i need to be where i need to be doing it and trying to get that habit yeah so that seems to be your your sweet spot in which you're you're most open to that which is interesting that you start the day at full speed and it sounds like you're perceiving this as an additional thing to 
to do to your to-do list. So you wake up and you've got your morning morning approach and that list is already chock-a-block full and this is just one more thing to add to the list. So yeah, I, guess, yeah. I guess I invite you this week to see it as a gift to yourself and to see it as something that you do just for you. And I, mm. I guess a lot of your morning is things that you're doing for others. Um, mm. So to start that off as a gift that you give to yourself could help there. And I noticed that you talked about seven minutes, so you've increased the time there a bit throughout the week. I have, yeah. Actually, I found that um, on, I think on two occasions I did even longer. I did 10 minutes, um, you know, just to try. And, you know, I think when I feel like I've got more time and not so rushed, like in the evenings, I, I feel like I want to do the longer ones. And the time actually goes really quickly, you know, think about it. Whereas in the mornings, a five minutes sitting there going, oh, God, come on, let's go. Um, I think I've got, got too much, you know, I'm already in halfway into the day. That's too hard. So, yeah, I think in the evenings I can do a slightly longer um, attempt and um yeah i think I'm, I'm more focused interesting and that evening time slot works out to my morning time slot over here in the united states and one purchase i made last week was a headspace membership um to get on board so now we can be buddies on it send each other fun reminders and see maybe we could even practice together yeah, that could help, I think. Having someone to practice with would definitely help with the accountability piece and just get that habit happening. Um, yep. So I, I think I think you should hold me to that and we should a- attempt to do that. Maybe our joint experiment is, um, is a shared practice for the next week. Yep, so you're still feeling, you're still feeling like you're wanting to explore this and you're, you're partway through the experiment? Or do you feel like... Yes, well, I, you, I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm still very much at the beginning of the experiment. I'm certainly no, haven't made a huge amount of progress yet. <laughs> but you're trying. That is the progress. Step by step. Yeah, yeah, true, 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 true. Now, what about you? Your experiment from last week was to read for pleasure, I think. To, yes. Uh, try and and how'd you go with that? That was fantastic. So the local bookstores have benefited immensely with a few impulse um, impulse purchases there. I went up to Boulder to check out their 10,000 book bookstore and got some really cool books. So was, I'm currently reading The Shining, um, which is based in Colorado, so super interesting. And particularly with the colder weather, it's, I found it really, really enjoyable to read in the cold weather, warm with tea and blankets and for no other reason other than just storytelling. And it's very interesting to enjoy the story without, I guess, linking, linking it or being in full connection mode, which is how I finally, which is how I find I usually read books at the moment. So I'm reading Adam Grant's originals um, as well at the moment. And when I go through uh, either business focused book or, um, something relating to what we do, then the connections are on at all points. So I'll read the paragraph and go through and explore mm. and how that connects to the other concepts and my day-to-day experiences. Whereas this, you can, when you read for fun, you can just get immersed in the story um, and fully go to that place, which I'm finding really relaxing and recharging. Yeah, that's right. And I think that, you know, reading for fiction gives you that escape, doesn't it, from the, from reality, for even mm. for, for just just a half an hour, and I think you know that can help in terms of switching off and disconnecting, um, versus always trying to read and apply and 
yeah, contextualize and yeah. So um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Now, of course, uh, listeners can connect with us and say good day, uh, suggest some topics for us to talk about. Visit us on the website, thelivinglabpodcast.com, or you can email us at thelivinglabpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, not a great deal of feedback so far, early days. I'm not going to take that too personally. Uh, we'll see what happens um, in the coming weeks. Um, but uh, let's get stuck into what we wanted to talk about today, which kind of came off the back of a conversation that we started in our first episode, our experimental episode, which was to talk about this concept of personal values, developing personal values, understanding what your values are, living a values-aligned life. Um, a uh, big topic, but uh, quite a fundament fundamental one when it comes to the question of how do you live a purposeful life and how do you um, decide, how do you how do you measure whether one's life is purposeful? I think is establishing a baseline around values is important um, and an interesting experience uh, to go through. Um, I've got some personal experiences. I'm sure you have as well, and I think it's it's worth having a chat about. You know why. Establishing your personal values is something worth the effort um, to do. Um, how you go about doing that, uh, how you uh, can go about checking against your values and checking in with yourself and others around how, uh, how you're tracking and then how you can build a bit of a plan to align your behaviours and your decisions around those values. So I think that's kind of the frame for the conversation that we're going to have today is about um, about values. Um, now, my, most of my experience in, in talking about personal values is in the context of leadership and professional development, but it's also, um, you know, uh, certainly much broader than that. Um, so maybe Mel, uh, kick us off. Uh, what, uh, what's your view on personal values? How have they helped you? Um, just start the conversation. Yep, let's start with the light questions. So <laughs> my personal values really have been my guiding framework for how I live my day-to-day -day life and how I make decisions. And really it gives me a mechanism to, to align what I do each day and does that, is that congruent with my values um, and are my actions equating to the values that I perceive I have. So it's something that I think about um, quite a bit and like to reflect on. Um, determining what my personal values are, it's been an interesting journey and I'd really love to hear what your experience has been in determining what they are and I guess I feel this is an area we have a lot of common ground. I think we have a lot of common values between you and I so I'd be really interested to see what your thoughts are on um, how do you unpack how do you begin to unpack what your values are? Yeah, well, I think that in order to unpack what your values are, you've got to first kind of understand what is a value or what are values. Um, and I think when I think about what our values are, you know, quite simply, I think it's, it's, um, it's that stuff that you find most important in life. Um, it's your core beliefs. Um, it are those things that help you set priorities for your life and help you make decisions. Um, it's kind of the reference point that you go back to at the core of yourself in terms of these are the things that I value the most. These are the things that are most important to me. Um, it's a pretty big question to ask. And I think my experience is that, um, you know, if you'd asked me that five years ago, I would have not been able to answer you. What are your personal values? Um, I would have had no idea. Um, and when I ask people, you know, in the context of leadership development, tell us about your personal values. 
most people I ask that question to can't answer it. So I, I think it's something that we probably feel and we know in our gut, but don't really uh, for to kind of, you know, take this gut feel and uh, translate it into um, an articulation of values that others can understand. Um, so I think that's where it's where it starts. Um, I think what you've said is really interesting there in that I don't think I would have come to determine what my personal values are without going through leadership training in organisations that I've been involved in. And that's, that's the palette that has been introduced to me and is part of either leadership or team development or induction um, training where you explore what your own values are, I guess, in an organisational context that's to them determine how they relate to what the organisational values are. Mm, mm. And that's but that's definitely thing. the format in which I've been introduced to these concepts is, is through, your, through an office, like corporate leadership setting. Mm, mm. And it's interesting because I've had some conversations with some of my colleagues in the leadership development space who run these workshops and, and, and training with people and part of that is to help them to develop their values and I've heard so many stories of, of people who've turned up to a leadership development workshop, have been through a, a, um, a values um, identification process which can be a quite a lengthy thing over a period of time and that has turned out with them actually standing up and saying, you know what, I've realised that my values are not aligned with this job I'm doing and I think I need to do something different um, and you know what that's okay and the people who I've spoken to have had participants do that think you know what if that's the outcome well that's a good result because mm. it's helping it's helping people you know live a values aligned life so so yeah it's uh it's it's interesting when you start scratching under the surface identifying what they are and the implications that has them you know because once you articulate your values and then you audit your life against those values most times you're not going to be happy with the result, in my experience anyway. Um, yeah, I share that as well. I think when you see the real picture of, for me, when my actions are, what actions my values are coming out of that and then what I think it is is often a big gap and that can mm. sometimes be surprising. Mm. There's been also times where I've been reluctant to further explore what my values are and I think that comes from a resistance to accountability because once you know what they are, yep. you become aware of it and, yep. and yep. you really feel that in your day-to-day -day when you're taking yep. actions that are not congruent. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're not serious about um, being happy to deal with the pain that's involved in, in living a values-aligned life, then um, think twice because it's not... Uh, uh, very it's it's often quite uncomfortable and it's, you often find yourself hating yourself and, and I went through quite a, uh, a negative experience early on in, in in this kind of personal values exploration that I was doing where I thought god you know I can't I'm a horrible person um, I can't do this um, for why value is important to me I think fundamentally for me what's at the why the values are most important is because the foundation of any great relationship, whether it be a personal one or a professional one, is this concept of trust and credibility, right? Like if you can't trust somebody, you can't love somebody. If you can't trust somebody, well, you can't work with somebody. Um, so for me, that idea of trust and credibility is at the core of why personal values are important. Because when you unpack what does what is credibility and how does somebody act and behave with credibility, well, the definition that my working definition is someone whose actions are aligned with their values is somebody who is credible. And that forms the foundation of trust. So I 
why it's important to me is because I want to be somebody who does act and behave with credibility, um, integrity, honesty. And for me, that's about literally walking the talk um, and being able to align my actions to those values. But it all starts with, well, what are the values first before you can start to align your actions with it? Um, I always you know, talk about walking the talk and I often ask leaders, you know, what is the talk that you're walking and that's a difficult question for most people to ask and that's what personal values are about it's about identifying what is the talk that you're walking it sounds like you've got quite a quite a good insight on that so i wonder how you got to the point what were some of the processes you went through to get to the point where you were able to unpack your values and to be in a position where you are clear on them now yeah well there's a few things that i um a few things that I did in terms of identifying values. The first thing I, 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 I did was um, I was asked to think about when I was the most happy or when I was the most proud or when I felt the most fulfilled and really analyse those moments where I felt those um, positive emotions to understand why I was doing that. Um, so it started with a little bit of exploration of those moments. And on the flip side, you know, where did I feel the most upset, most stressed, the most anxious, uh, the most angry? Because uh, often the... Uh, highlighting areas where you know um, there's a lack of congruence between values and, and actions so that's where I started um, and then I actually went through a process using um, uh, sorting through a whole library of values I had a bunch of deck of cards I was given I had to go through those cards and each card had a value on it it had the word uh, that described the value and then it had a paragraph description of what that um, what that value means and um, I went through and just and kind of pulled out the ones that I thought were important to me and put them in one pile and kind of discarded the rest. And I probably started with a pile of about 15 or 20 that I thought was super important. Um, and then I had to go through the process of then starting to go through those and prioritise those and actually really challenge myself on which are the most important. Because I wanted to get down to a, um, a, a manageable set of values around four to six values. I think that's enough. Any more than that, I think it's, it's, it's too hard. And I think, you, you know, you're trying to be too, too, trying to do too much. So, I, I tried to dwindle it down to, I got it down to seven and then I really got stuck at the seven point around. I don't want to, I didn't want to discard any others because to me they're all so important. Um, and um, so then um, I had these seven values that I thought were important. And this was a combination of me thinking about, you know, my happiest, proudest, most fulfilled moments and um, distilling them, using those cards into those seven values cards. And then I went through a process of, um, really challenging myself along around each of those values. And I asked myself, I went through one by one and I asked myself the question, you know, what, um, what examples could I come up with of how I have behaved in a way that is congruent with those values one at a time. So I for each of those seven values that you identified as the core, then you Correct. mapped actions to those seven. Correct. So this not is the third part of the not, process. Correct. Yeah. Not, not future actions, not uh, aspirational actions, but actual actions in recent history. You know, past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. So it's actually thinking at, can I think of examples of how I lived this value recently? Um, and I just jotted down things, you know. Yeah, a few bullet points under each, each yeah. value that you had there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I realized, okay, there are some that I consistently practiced and I could come up with lots of examples and there were others where I couldn't come up with very many tangible recent examples. And that helped me then think about, okay, there's a couple here that are maybe on the nice to have but not the must have list. Okay. So from that, were you able to, from looking at your, how your actions, present actions aligned with your values, did that, mm. 
take you down the path of wanting to add actions in to actualize your values or were you looking to cut down some of those values to get to a nice happy place where your actions match all your values? Yeah, that's a great question because I think that's where you come to. You come to this decision of, okay, do I want to, do I want to change my behavior to, to now align with this new espoused value or do I want to cut the value out and not have to worry about a, a behavioral change, which is mm. you know, a hard thing to do consistently. Um, and in my case, it was a combination of both. There was one value that I dropped off and said, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. And there was another value that I said, you know what, I need to really focus on that. So I actually ended up in the end with four values. I went from seven to four um, through a process of, of discovery, which took a little bit um, a little bit longer and the journey continued because after I then um, had my, at that point, five values, I've gotten rid of two, I had five values and I had underneath it examples of my behaviours or actions that align with those yep. values. I then took that to the people closest to me and said, what do you think about this? Wow, and basically said, brave move. Here's the, here's the value that I think is really important to me. Here's how I've, you know, here's some examples of how I think I've lived this um, value or how my actions have aligned to those values. What are your thoughts? Um, and I did that to my partner, with my partner at the time. I did it with some very close colleagues that I work with uh, in, in my team at work. Did it with some friends and got a whole bunch of different perspectives because I wanted this to be a holistic process. I didn't want it just be about work. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted it to be about me as a person as a whole. So I made, made sure I got a broad perspective on that. And um, it's interesting. It's interest, it was interesting for me for a couple of reasons. One, it was interesting to, for me to see the level at which people were giving honest feedback um did that vary between your corporate counterparts and your friends in your social life yeah absolutely it did i mean absolutely it did i mean your friends are really willing to give you that you know or good friends are really willing to give you the harsh feedback where in a work context people are a little bit more careful and cautious mm -hmm. about giving you constructive or negative uh, feedback or challenging you so i think definitely that's why it's important to make sure it's those people closest to you who you can trust and who have that relationship where they can give you the feedback as well as the professional as well and what i ended up doing is i actually went back to those work colleagues so i thought okay maybe i didn't get the most honest response and i said to them hey i've spoke to these other people outside of work who said this i just want to check in with you about that what are your thoughts on that and almost invite them to either confirm or, or, or disagree with that finding. And that created a space where it was more comfortable for them to do it because I was already, had already kind of told them what I was Laid the that. foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it so sounds like there needs to be, uh, I guess, a high level of trust between you and the people that you're engaging to do this 360 degree review of you because you're really putting your, your mm. bare bones on the table here when you assess your values. So you, you put mm. yourself in a place of vulnerability, which is fantastic because that's the place to grow and learn from. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and you've got, and that vulnerability is challenging because, um, I mean, having those tough conversations and getting that feedback, you know, like I'll, t I'll tell you my story, right? So I, one of the um, five values I had on my list was kindness. Yeah. Um, and one of the pieces of feedback I got, not from just one person that I spoke to, but many people I spoke to, was that they couldn't think of that many examples of me being kind. Now, imagine how much that hurt and how difficult that feedback was to get. And of course I'd written down examples, um, but the perspective from other people was very, very different. So here I am saying kindness is really important to me and being told by everybody closest to me that I could be kinder. Um, that's quite confronting because that strikes to you, strikes to your core when yeah. your self-perception is then challenged to show 
show how it really is and that to be a very different view. Mm. Mm. However, I guess those experiences are what create a driver for change and discomfort, vulnerability. Discomfort while in a vulnerable state, I believe, creates a very powerful motivator to change. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, and that's exactly what happened for me. Um, uh, and the fact that I'd had those conversations with the people most close to me, and they knew that kindness was on my list of values, they were then watching like very closely at my behaviour. You know, immediately preceding those conversations, of course, because. You know, they were like, okay, well, he said kindness is important. We've had these conversations. We've given him the feedback. Well, we yeah. now expect him to be kinder, right? So then yeah. you feel like you are constantly under the microscope on those values you espouse. But that's what needs to happen if you're serious about about that value alignment. And, you know, still to this day, I still often, uh, in, in moments of self-reflection, when I'm thinking about what happened in the week, when I'm finished a difficult conversation, I am constantly thinking, wow, I could have been kinder. I could have done that differently, you know. I, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, really aware of of that now. Um, and uh, I'm still not at the point where I, where I think I can consistently say that uh, I'm, I'm living a life that's fully aligned to that value of kindness. Um, I certainly try to, but it's hard. And it's hard when you've got competing. Um, priorities and you've got competing roles that you need to play you've got to balance that role of a boss and a leader you've got to manage that role of a friend you've got to manage all of these various different roles and I think it's the intersection of those roles where it can often be you're faced with making a decision where you have to you sometimes feel like you're breaching a value and you may not notice it at the time but afterwards in self-reflection you go oh in this role as a, as a manager I made this decision I said this I did this however in this role as a friend uh, I actually preach that it's important to me. It's interesting. The context in which the, um, the values are is, is interesting. Yeah. And I think it's, I think what you're doing and coming back to them and assessing them with different hats on is really interesting. So you've got your work hat on and you've got your personal hat on. And mm. by the nature of how we operate from the values that we set for friendship and for what you do in a, a corporate context, mm. I think there will arise some conflict from that. However, these, yeah. these values can also be a, a guiding a guiding light where you can make that values-aligned decision in a situation where you're not sure what to do. It does give you that framework of how, how to guide your thinking and mm. your defaults to fall back on. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think one of the, val one, one of the values of values, one of the benefits of having... Um, having values is they do help you make those big difficult decisions because you always refer back to them as that kind of point of reference um, and as a bit of a filter to put through. And actually, interestingly, I thought, you know, in, in thinking about this conversation we're going to have today, I looked on the app store and I thought there's got to be an app. There's an app for everything. There's got to be an app for personal values. And, and is there? There is an app for personal values that I found um, just before we um, we jumped on to, re to record and it's called Thoughtful Decisions. And basically what it does is it asks you to enter your core values and yeah. then it enter the data around an important decision you've got to make. Um, and it, help, it guides you through a process of applying um, the values as a filter to that decision. So there you go. Um, there is an app out there to help you with this kind of thing if you want to. Wow. Um, that sounds great. And what was that app called? It's called thoughtful decisions. Um, it doesn't help you identify the values. You've got to have them already, but it helps you kind of go through a decision-making process 
based on your personal values. So maybe if you're facing a big decision, should I take that job? Should I move there? Should I marry this person? Should I leave this person? Maybe those big life decisions, maybe, maybe an app to help you, you know, use your values is a good thing. Yeah, that's, um, that's the first time I've ever been able to distill your values into a mechanism to make a decision. Mm. With, which has been automated. So looking forward to playing with that one, that's for sure. Yeah, have a look. And of course, there's a free version with lots of stupid advertising and a paid version, where I'm <laughs> sure you get exactly the same features just without the advertising. Um, anyway, so yeah, so but for, and, but, and, and I'm a really practical person, right? So I had to take these kind of fluffy concepts of values and, and to help me live them, I had to kind of turn them into something more, more practical. So Basically, where I ended up was with these four personal values uh, in the end that were really important to me. The first was this concept of growth and development, um, and that um, I defined in, in terms of growth and development of myself, continually learning, um, this commitment to lifelong learning, but also the growth and development of the people around me and contributing to that. My second value was the value of equality, uh, and this is something that I think has been, been kind of ingrained into me since I was a, a, a very young child, and I've always... Um, you know, I've always been involved in uh, in stuff around the cause of equality. Um, that was my second one. Um, my third one was this concept of making a difference. Um, and I was I had these two values: one called making a difference, and one called contribution. Um, and I ended up dropping contribution and retaining making a difference. Um, and and for me, that's about living and working deliberately and ensuring that whatever it is I'm doing, I'm doing it. Uh, to make a difference of some sort, um, you know, because I think we can so easily go through life, go through work, you know, um, just doing, but not thinking about the impact of what we're doing. And, yeah. and so, so that is the third value. And of course the fourth value, the fourth value is the one we spoke about, which was this kindness thing. Um, so they're the big four. So they're the big four for me, but then I had to kind of think about how do I make that more practical? And of course the first thing I started to do was I, listed all of those and I started listing behaviors below the line and above the line behaviors for each value. If I'm going to live a and behave aligned to the value of growth and development, here are the above the line, here are the below the line behaviors. So when um, you say above the line and below the line, what would mm -hmm. that, what kind of behaviors would be above the line and what kind of behaviors would be below the line? Yeah. So if we think of an example of, um, Kindness. Let's use kindness, yeah. for example, because that's the one that I was really focused on, right? So um, very practical, um, granular examples of this and what I got feedback back on is, you know, I, I can be a very short communicator, particularly over email and on the phone and whatnot. So below the line behaviors for me in terms of kindness was, was if I sent an email where I didn't say, hi, so-and-so, how are you? Thanks for your email and add a bit of the fluff to my emails. Mm. Because I was quite, you know, quite task focused and get stuff done focused, and I can often just send a very short email like, "Yes, hey. no, or uh, you know, without <laughs> yes, <that>. proceed." Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so for me, a below the line, a below the line behavior was um, was sending an email communication without first acknowledging the human before I got into the, <laughs> the stuff, um, and and a, uh, an above the line behavior, uh, for example, when it comes to kindness, was spending more time in the mornings. When I see people, how are you? How was your night last night? Connecting on a human level before getting into, right, here's what we've got to do today. Did you get that thing done yesterday? And getting straight into things. So it was about 
building in those elements of, you know, the Monday morning conversation. Human connections. The Friday night conversation, what are you doing for the weekend? And, you know, trying to really focus more on that. So that was an example for me of what I was, what I was focusing on doing. So what did, you find, what did you find happen for you when you actualize the actions that correlate to the values you'd identified? Um, well, at first it was uncomfortable because at first it felt forced. At first it felt like this activity that I was undertaking and I was just entering into these pleasantries with people because I'd made a commitment to myself that I had to. Um, and I, I felt that perhaps I wasn't being genuine about it. Um, but very quickly people responded quite well to it. Well to it. I, I started to build better relationships with the people, particularly the people I was working with. Um, and it had a very, very positive um, impact. And then I found that when it came to people I was working with, expending more discretionary effort or working harder or supporting me or helping me, that translated, you know. Mm-hmm. Kindness was like a deposit into the emotional piggy bank that I could then, you know, withdraw from later. It sounds very transactional, but... Um, <laughs> very transactional, but it sounds like it, it builds and feeds into the trust that is essential to collaborate Absolutely. effective together. And Absolutely. I think when you start off with that intent to be kind, you can cultivate beyond transactional, the, the benefits and the impacts. Um, mm. While you can distill to, to be explained transactionally, there's a lot of intangible aspects that come from that. Mm. And I think, did you find that you cultivated a genuine interest as you went on going yeah, through the motions? Of, you became aware, yep, I've got to talk to people in the morning because that's, that's an action that I can take that will further my, align my values. Mm. And then, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. At first it felt a bit forced, it felt a bit awkward, it felt a bit uncomfortable, it felt a bit like this is not really my style but then i realized how ridiculous that was when you went to say oh yeah kindness is not my style and i realized that's a bit stupid kindness <laughs> should be my style um, <laughs> so saying so, things out loud is a big eye-opener i think yeah absolutely 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 and i think as well you know quite often where you judge yourself for not being values aligned is actually before you start talking it's that thought that you have where you go hmm that's not very aligned and that then allows you the opportunity to change what you are going to say um, as well. So quite often I would think something going, mm, okay, nope, that's not aligned with kindness. I'm not going to do that. Um, so yeah, so it was an interesting, an interesting journey. But then what I did after I come up with the behaviors and stuff and I found the behaviors are a little bit too um, granular and difficult and it was too much to do and whatever. What I did was I come up with this thing called commitments, right? Which were these four, uh, things that I would commit to doing, mm-hmm. um, which are relatively broad, but could be broken down into, um, you know, more finite actions. So the first thing was, you know, when you think about the concept of growth and development of making a difference, then my first commitment was this concept of lifelong learning. And, you know, you from a, as a mindfulness practitioner, might think about it as, um, you know, the beginner's mindset, um, uh, and this curiosity whole and beginner's curiosity, mind. beginner's mindset, commitment to constantly learning and developing. Um, and this helped me in a number of ways. One, a, because I, I love learning and I'm always trying to learn different stuff and, you know, I like reading and listening to stuff and watching stuff and trying stuff and meeting interesting people and all that kind of stuff. But what it also did was it made me turn up to work every day with this mindset of I'm not an expert. I'm here to learn. Um, and that's a much 
cooler place to come from for a couple of reasons. One is it reduces the expectation that you have on yourself and that others have on you. Um, secondly, your, our mind is a lot more open to things that you otherwise would have been more close to. Um, and three, it allows you to um, recognize that other people know more than you do about certain stuff and can contribute uh, in ways that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have seen if you turned up with the expert mindset. Um, awesome, awesome point. So that's the lifelong learning piece. The second one commitment I come up with was this, this concept of teaching and sharing. So I wanted to, because I had this, this commitment to the value of growth and development and to making a difference, it wasn't just enough for me to learn and to be committed to lifelong learning. I had to actually share what I learned and teach others. And ah, so now your values that. are starting to integrate and build on each other. Correct. So they're not, they're not silos here that are building four stands of four different values. Mm, correct. So then it comes to this thing of, okay, I'm not just learning for me because that would be very selfish and unkind if this value of growth and development was just about me. But this whole teaching and sharing was, it was, it was actually around the lifelong learning. about how do, I, how do I then use that to contribute to make a difference for others or for something greater than myself? So it was about not just the learning itself, but it was what do you then do with it, which to me was about making a difference. Um, so that's where the kind of time was. So it was about teaching and sharing. So then I started to uh, do different stuff that I hadn't done before when I started thinking about this teach and share. Like I go to... I. In the last four years, I've been to hundreds of conferences. I love going to conferences. I, I speak at conferences, but I'm, mostly I go and learn stuff. And I, and I take my iPad and I write all these notes and I get all these cool slide decks and, and then I just keep them all and do anything with them. And then but I started to... it's so important to, to keep them. <laughs> we <laughs> oh, get that urge. We must yeah, squirrel everything yeah. away. <laughs> exactly. And as an L&D practitioner, you're always looking for the next set of sexy slides that you can borrow, steal, reuse, um, repackage in some way. Um, <laughs> Uh, and um, yeah, but then what I started to do is I created this, uh, this little template and what I would do is do a little one page learnings from the conferences I went to and, and then I just shared it with my team. Great. That's which a I, very I, actionable, which very I otherwise straightforward way. Yeah, which I otherwise would have just done around water cooler conversations or would have come up and stuff and I would have mentioned, oh yeah, here, this person spoke about this, this is really cool. But formalizing that into a process of, okay, I'm going to go and do this piece of learning and then I'm going to do a one page just to share it. Yeah. Um, I actually, I actually started and, and I wasn't very good at this because, you know, the other thing that's good about conferences is you, you network a lot, you go out for some wines and dinners afterwards. <laughs> so it wasn't good. But, but I started recording um, little videos from my, um, in the evenings after the conference of my, of the things I learned and putting them on my website. And I probably did two or three of those, but I didn't do enough, but I should have done more. And the idea was that, you know, go to these conferences, learn something and share the, the key takeaways. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so, that's, so well, this is just wonderful. some examples. You, your conference life is still strong, so I hope to see um, many more videos coming through where we can yeah. learn things from it. I like this yeah. concept of you reflect on it on the day and then you're mm. sharing with it. So that's mm. kind of one action that meets multiple values. Correct. Correct. And doing it straight away. So not putting it off and then having 101 excuses while you're too busy to then do it. You know, if you can work it into to happen immediately, mm. then it, it's better. Um, yeah. So then I had this third thing, which was, um, which is still when I, when I look at it and read back at it, it feels a bit lofty and a bit maybe 
wanky, but I've got this concept of empowerment, the next commitment. So mm-hmm. I've got lifelong learning, I've got teaching and sharing, I've then got empowering the marginalized. Now, yes. this is this concept of equality and this concept of making a difference. And it's about, and empowering the marginalized um, uh, for, for me is, is a lot of things. It's, it's, it's about how do you um, support the underdog? How do you, um, and this could be in the context of how do you support um, introverted leaders in an extroverted organisation to um, be successful? How do you support women um, uh, in the workforce who, um, who, who sometimes uh, struggle, as you know? Um, how do you, uh, you know, I did a lot of work in the last few years working on um, Indigenous employment initiatives and, and, and helping to close that gap um, uh, in Australia. Um, and I, you know, outside of work, spent many, many years, um, you know, working in the space of um, GLBTI inclusion in the sporting arena um, and saw how cool it is that sport can be this vehicle for social change um, and this outlet for people who were marginalised to um, to experience something new and different. That was very, very cool as well. Um, so for me, it translates into lots of little things. Um, it's also about giving people who don't have a voice a voice. So you know, raising up the voice and creating yeah. a platform for others to yeah. to share their thoughts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, is that something I do on a day to day basis? No, probably not. Is it something I think about? Yes. Could I be doing more? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, that was the third commitment. And then the fourth commitment was... So this that, that one seems like there's a little more aspiration yeah, absolutely. in it than maybe your more concrete growth and development. It's absolutely more aspirational. Uh, it's, it's that much more lofty. It's not necessarily something that you can do in one behaviour or, yeah. you know, changing the way you, 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 you do things on a day-to-day basis. It's something that is a more of a long-term thing. Um, and then um, I had this last value, which was probably the most difficult out of all of them, actually. Um, and I toyed with whether I put this in or not. But the fourth and final commitment I made was to be a role model. And that meant being a role model for those values that I'd espoused, um, which meant that it wasn't just good enough for me to live a values-aligned life, but I actually had to kind of take the extra step of, of, of doing it in a way that role models to others. The what that's like. Value. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I guess it also is a way to empower the marginalised as well, is to act as a role model and show um, what is possible, those sort of things as well. Yeah. So does that, having that visibility and having role model as, as one of your core directions, is that, what sense does that create for you? Uh, it's, it's a constant state of uh, what I call divine discontent like you're never happy with what you're currently doing because you can always be better right and you're constantly judging yourself uh, and you have these moments of self-reflection where you really um you really hate yourself because you go geez i wasn't it wasn't a good role model then um mm-hmm. I, uh, there's a very there's very very little examples of tangible examples i remember many many years ago i started in the, as a general manager of a of a, of a new hotel, took, took over a new team, and there was a lot of things that had to change and improve, and I really wanted to start focus, getting people to focus on attention to detail and doing the, doing the ordinary things extraordinarily well. And um, one of the things I noticed was that the managers in the hotel weren't wearing ties, the men, right? and, and 
So one of the small changes that I first wanted to implement to signal that, okay, there's going to be some changes here is I asked everyone, okay, guys, let's, you know, we got to wear a tie. If we expect our team members to wear, to wear their uniforms, then we need to do the same. Um, and uh, I was really like focused on this um, with, with my managers in the early days. And, and then I remember I parked my, I was coming to work one morning, I parked my car uh, at the hotel and I was walking from the car park through the building to my office. And I hadn't put my tie on yet. I was carrying it <laughs> with the intention to put my tie on when I got to the office. Yep. And um, I had two comments from two of my managers saying, <laughs> you know, well, you're not really aligning your action <laughs> with these espoused values, Ben, are you? And I thought, wow, you know, there was something that I was espousing a lot, the importance of it. And yeah. from that day on, I always had my tie on before I get out of the car <laughs> to walk with my top. I think it's a very great thing that you have people around you that are willing to hold you accountable and call you out on it. Yeah, yeah. If there's, if there's, if there's one thing I've been lucky on, there's uh, people around me who have been, been able to tell me to pull my head in when I need to and give me good feedback. I think I've been lucky in that respect. Um, I think there's also an element of you are human and as you will try to walk the talk and that that is your intent, but when things happen and it doesn't go that way. It's important to remember that you are human and you can yeah. walk, walk into the building without your tie on yeah. and have an experience that will teach you a lesson that will last you for life. Yeah, and, and the more and more that I think about this, you know, if I can, if, if I can have just 50% of my actions and behaviours aligned to my values, then this is a really good place to be. You know, like I think you can't you can't set out with the expectation that you're going to hundred percent of the timeline of values to your actions. I think that's a really really hard commitment to make. Mm -hmm. But if you can kind of get a baseline of where I am now, twenty five percent, thirty percent, forty percent, and bring it up and up and up and keep it keep improving, I think that's good. Um, and I think that's important. Like, don't set an unrealistic expectation on yourself because then it becomes too hard. You just throw it all out the window because you feel like you're failing all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important, and we all know how you know, we all know how awful those breaches of values can feel. Um, if we're the one who have breached our values, or if you've seen somebody else breach their values, you know, we know what those moments are like. And and if nothing else, it's they're learning. <laughs> they're learning it, it is a field. big it is a big learning experience. So I wonder what it what does it feel like for you when you become aware that you've breached a value. Um. It's a bit depressing initially. It's like you feel really awful um, because you've, you've set this bar for yourself when you haven't met it. You yeah. know? Um, and, and then you start to think about, oh, I've let people down because I'm supposed to be a role model. Um, and people won't trust me because if I, if I am not aligning my actions with these espoused values and you start to really yeah. just the dagger in, you know, um, <laughs> but what it does do is get you to think about it. And, and, and there's so many times I've had those moments where I've gone, didn't like that. And, and it's driven me to go and have a conversation with someone, whether it be to apologize, whether it be to set the record straight on something, whether it be to say, you know what, how that went yesterday on reflection was not okay. How, or how I talked or what I said or how I handled that situation could have been better. And here's what, here's my, here's, here's what I, what I, what I've reflected on, what I would have done differently and have that conversation. And I think people really appreciate when that happens. And that 
also is, is about being a role model. It's about owning your mistakes and being comfortable to talk about them and um, to not be stubborn, I can be sometimes. <laughs> I think the vulnerability, though, of openly, openly talking to someone uh, and acknowledging your mistakes, celebrating your mistakes even, because we all make them, <laughs> usually mm-hmm. multiple a day, and mm-hmm. how you really run with it from there is what leads to growth. If you're not making the mistakes, then if you're not failing, you're not learning. You're not yeah, growing. Exactly. 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 I mean, that's a, that's a topic for another day. I think <laughs> mistakes um, and and failure, the F word. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the the F word is the number one thing that cripples innovation and creativity uh, in in workplaces is because of this innate fear of failure. You know, I I, I was talking to someone the other day. I'm saying, you know, every human being has this inbuilt fear of looking like a dickhead um, and this is what stops people from taking risks from trying things and, yeah. and from doing different stuff um, and I'm really interested in the role of leadership in changing that culture in making it okay to make mistakes in in making failure um, not something to be afraid of but something to to as you say celebrate celebrate and, uh, embrace and then how do you tangibly articulate what the learnings are mm. so that we don't keep making the same mistakes mm. again and again and again yeah, and that's really hard when we live in a world of win or lose. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm reading this interesting book at the moment called No Contest, which is all about um, you know the, the the history of competition and how competition uh, permeates our culture um, and our society, and how it's really not good for us. Uh, anyway, no, interesting. Topic yes, for definitely another. topic for another day. So as as we come to a close. Um, I'd just like to check in and see how often do you check in with your values? Uh, so has it, has it been a week? Is it every month? Is this no. the first time you've touched on them on a year? Good question. My answer would be not enough. And I think my answer is always going to be not enough because I'd like to be doing it more often. When I first embarked on the journey a couple of, a couple of years ago, like I, I, I put my values on a PowerPoint slide and I set it as my screensaver on my computer. And, you know, I was constantly looking at it on a daily basis as a reminder. I used to have it pinned to my, you know, to above my desk and, and I had it, um, you know, on the fridge at home. And that was a constant reminder. I haven't so you've done made it very, a- very visible to create yeah, accountability yeah. for yourself and... To really bring it to the forefront. So you haven't, you haven't done that for a while. I haven't, done, I haven't done that for a while. And, you know, it's interesting because, of course, I, you know, I, I run leadership development workshops and I work coaching leaders and we talk about values. You know, I often pull out my values and tell this story as an example. And I always feel like a little bit of a fox and, geez, I'm probably not doing that as well as I could be doing it. And I'm probably not looking at it as often as I could be doing it. And then you have this whole, you know, self-hatred thing that happens mm. again. Um, <laughs> Uh, so look, I, 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 I definitely see myself doing it when things, when time gets tough, when, when, when there's a really challenging situation I'm in, when I've had to make a really difficult decision, when I've had to have a, a really hard conversation, which is uncomfortable for me, that often is the points when I will come back to it and go, okay, have I met these values that are most important to me, you know? Um, and, and certainly when it comes to making big decisions as well, having back to those values um, and checking in on them. So that's probably when I do it now. Um, I don't have a practice of doing it every Friday or every Wednesday or every every month. Um, it's not that structured anymore um, as it was more structured earlier. Um, I think when you unpack it and are defining it, that that period is really great to check in over and over again on. And now that you know what they are and they're ingrained in you, mm. at those big pivotal moments and when you are making decisions, 
sounds like a sustainable way to manage your values. Mm, mm. And then the last thing I did was, I, so I built this foundation and maybe, maybe I will be able to share this graphic somehow because I've, I've put this in a graphic with a picture of myself behind it. It's, this is what I used. <laughs> because the other thing that I think that's really, really important when it comes to um, values and when you are trying to remember things and turn things into habit is vis visuals help. Mm -hmm. um, and I created this, this image of a house and the foundations of the house were the four values, growth mm. and development, equality, making a difference, kindness. Then the house had four pillars that were holding up the roof and the four pillars were those things that we spoke about of lifelong learning, teaching and sharing, empowering the marginalised, be a role model. And then what sat on the top of that on the roof was what I created at the very end of this process, which was a vision for my life. Wow. And that kind of sat at top. So it was kind of like the values were the, were the foundation if the house represents my life, the values were the foundation, the um, pillars, you know, yeah. if the house were the commitment, the walls of the house, I guess, were the, were the um, commitments that I was making. And then the roof was kind of, you know, the, the, the vision that I was working towards, aspiring towards. I would love to see this visual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still so, got, that, got that around there somewhere? I'll, um, I'll send it to you, yeah, without a doubt. Um, and um, and the, the, the vision that I came up with was uh, to inspire others to be more than they thought they could be. Um, and that was a way of taking those values and those commitments and translating them into a statement around, okay, you know, I think I'd be in a pretty cool place if I could wake up every morning and think that I'm doing that. So living, be... your, living out your mission. If you yeah. wake up every day and feel aligned with your with your vision, with your commitments and with your values, then you'll be in a good place. That's what, yeah. that's what works for you. And do I feel like I'm doing that now every day? Absolutely not. It's aspirational, right? It's a lighthouse you're working towards it. It's, it's, it's um, you know, if I had to score myself against that, uh, you know, put some metrics around that, I wouldn't be performing very well, I don't think, as well as I would have liked to be anyway. But it's, it's, it's the aspirational thing. It's, the, it's the, the thing on the horizon that you're working towards. Um, you know, maybe one day you'll get there, you know. Yeah, well, that's, that's the aspirational life goals. We're on this journey, hopefully, yeah. for a long time. <laughs> exactly. 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 Well, all right. So that was an interesting process of, of going, through, going through how you've identified your values and what really worked for you. So now it's time to ask, lay down the experiment of the week. And my challenge to you, my invitation to you this week is to it's time to check in so how do your actions align to your values on the week ahead mm. Mm. and i can't wait to see what comes out um i'm gonna take on this experiment as well and really unpack do my action are my actions aligning to my values or are my actions aligning to values that i don't wish to cultivate mm. yes be ready for the discomfort as you start to ask those questions. <laughs> strap uh, in. <laughs> strap in. It will happen. It will absolutely happen. Yeah, good chat. I feel like it's been a lot of me talking and a lot of you not talking. So next week we need to hear your story about something else. Um, we can tag so, in and out. I was incredibly it. interested in the process that you went through. And mm, it was really good. great to have the space to dive a bit deeper into that and, and go end to end on it. And I hope that that will be a value for, for everyone out there. 
Absolutely. And of course, if you wanted to deep dive on other topics, maybe suggest some other things for us to talk about, you can do so. Uh, feedback uh, via our website, thelivinglabpodcast.com, or of course, email thelivinglabpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to uh, hear from you and uh, you know, share us your ideas of what you want us to talk about, and we can talk about them. I think we've got to get some guests on soon, Mel, and, and uh, so it's not just the sound of our voices um, each week. Uh, and um, you know we've got a, a good list of, of topics to um, to talk about. I'm I'm reading another book at the moment called Stuffication, which is all about um, you know this whole massive movement at the moment around minimalism, and that's something that I definitely want to have a chat to you about soon, as I am you know really trying to live a more live meaningful life. Less um, <laughs> shout uh, out to to the minimalists yeah. for I, their pithy answers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I think I had this realization as I was um, packing up to move to Europe. I thought, Jesus, I am buying more stuff so that I can store more stuff. This is getting a bit out of control. You got to put more uh, stuff with your stuff with your yeah. stuff. Yeah, Time exactly. to unstuff so, your stuff. Whole idea of stuffocation and the need to downsize. Anyway, let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about that another time. I'll leave you with this final thought, Mel. Mahatma Gandhi, when it comes to talking about values, uh, says, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become your destiny. There you go. Wonderful words to round us out for the week. Until, Until next time. Next time. <laughs> livinglabpodcast.com or, of course, email the livinglabpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week, Mel. See you next week, Mel.